If you or someone you know is looking for reliable legal assistance in the Caribbean, look no further than Caribbean Legal Solutions, your ultimate connection to trustworthy attorneys across the Caribbean. So whether you're a Caribbean residing in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., or anywhere else in the world, they connect you with reliable attorneys based in your home country. Their extensive vetting process and network ensure a peace of mind and accountability. Need help with land ownership, estate matters, or maybe even a local referral here in the U.S.? Their team bridges the gap, reducing your workload and providing you with vetted attorneys for virtually any legal matter. Caribbean Legal Solutions is your reliable partner for legal needs, both local and abroad. Visit CaribbeanLegalSolutions.com or call them today. This podcast ad contains general information about Caribbean Legal Solutions and it's not intended as legal advice. Always consult with a qualified attorney for legal advice specific to your situation. You're listening to the Carry on Friends podcast, episode 46. Welcome to the Carry on Friends podcast, where you'll be inspired and empowered to do amazing things in your personal lives, career, business, and community with your host, Carrie Ann Reed Brown. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. This is probably one of the longest episodes that I'll have of the show, but I promise, promise, promise you that this is an episode you want to listen to. It is funny, and I think there's aspects of the show, of the interview, actually, that is brave, and which is why I decided to call it on my own terms, the drive to succeed. So this interview is with Raina Campbell, and I did a little play on her show. Her show is called Dreams and Drive. And Raina and I have a conversation about what it was like to be, you know, go to Ivy League and have Jamaican parents and them telling her what they want her to do. I don't want to give away the whole thing, but I promise you just listen to it to the very end because Raina also has some great tips on branding. And um, I promise this is it's, it's such a funny episode. It's just one of those lighter episodes, but also has some really good stuff. And I would love to hear from you. Tell me your Caribbean parent school career choice story because Picture us in the driver's seat of a car and you have your Caribbean parents in the car and they're telling you you're driving too fast, you're driving too slow, when you should overtake, when you should pass, when you should do a lot of things. Just picture that. And I definitely want to hear your experiences with your Caribbean parents about your school choice, your major choice, your career choice, your choice for business. I'd love to hear those stories. Please email hello at carryonfriends.com or it can send a text. You can leave a voicemail 347-875-0531. I really would love to hear your stories because everyone needs to hear them because there's just so much commonality and we can all support each other as we drive to succeed on our own terms, right? All right. So I won't keep you any longer. Here's the interview with Raina. Hello, Raina. Welcome to the Carry On Friends podcast. How are you? I'm fine, Carrie Ann. Thank you so much for uh, having me on today's show. I'm excited. I'm excited too. So why don't you tell the audience who you are, which island you're representing and all that good stuff? All right. So hi, everyone. I'm Raina Campbell and I am, I want to say I'm a marketer by night and a lifestyle blogger, podcast host. Actually, wait, let me repeat that. I'm a marketer by day and a lifestyle blogger, podcast host by night. Mm-hmm. I am the uh, founder of Dreams and Drive, which is a podcast for lifestyle and creative entrepreneurs. Um, I also have a background in marketing. So by day, I work in the e-commerce marketing field, trying to do all that fancy stuff, email automation, branding, PR, that stuff. Um, I'm I'm representing the island of Jamaica. I'm a first first generation though, so my parents were born in Jamaica and they came here when they were I want to say like in their early twenties and they've been here ever since and been crying about it since then too. So <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. know I know what that's like. It's like you know, I do up a long time and it's cool and I'm tired of the cool and all yes. that good stuff. <laughs> oh Lord. All right, so I really am excited about the show because Raina, you have like I know your background and I want you to tell the audience the background because, you know, there's a thing where you can't satisfy Caribbean parents. And I think that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <Not a> mercy. <laughs> 
So, all right. So tell tell the audience a little bit more about your background. I know your parents are Jamaican and, you know, where do you went to school? What did you go to school for? And how did you end up being the marketer by day and the, the podcaster and the lifestyle um, blogger and consultant at night? What all was right. the route to that? So um, to give you some background, so my parents, you know, when they came, everybody goes to New York, right? When Mm -hmm. they come to America. So my parents are married and stuff in New York. They came to, they decided they wanted to get out of the city. They had my sister and they they moved to Orange, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And Orange is like, I want to say it's like an urban suburb. If you guys know where Newark, New Jersey is, it's kind of that in that area. So we moved to Orange. And I went to public school in Orange up until sixth grade. And I had always been like, I want to say that I always had uh, abilities or like my talents were always uh, stood out at at an early age. So I was like in the gifted and talented program. My parents used to make me go to Saturday school, all that stuff. (laughs) And uh, one of my friends, one of my sister's friends told my mom about this program called A Better Chance. So my sister ended up going to private school uh, for ninth grade and she's four years older than me. So when it came time for me to go to middle school, my parents were like, no, no way and not to go into orange middle school so uh they had me apply to the same program she was in called a better chance and i got accepted into this prestigious school in englewood new jersey called the white englewood school and i huffed and puffed the whole way there like i did not want to leave my friends imagine being a sixth grader right middle mm-hmm. school is supposed to be this time of like you know discovery and you and your plan your friends planned it out and my parents were like no way mm-hmm. um you're going you're going here so sixth and or well, seventh and eighth grade was just a huge culture shock for me Dwight Englewood was like I want to say majority Jewish uh there were a sprinkle of diversity so there were Asians there were uh Latinos some black people and I I struggled those first two years, I want to say. It was just, it was my first time being around kids who didn't look like me. Mm. So from then, I want to say by high school, I kind of acclimated to the environment. And I eventually ended up graduating from there and going to Princeton. So yes. Yes. Princeton. Yes. Yes. But that's like a Princeton, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my grandma was the one who would be like she would tell everybody everybody um my parents are more like they weren't like the the bragging types but if someone did say a way to your daughter go they would say my grandma was more of the one telling everybody so um i went to princeton and of course it was the whole thing so you know what are you gonna study what what are you gonna do with your life um every time i would come home my dad would try to tell me i should be a doctor i had my aunt telling me i should be a lawyer you know you have to really take advantage of this opportunity but i was never i never wanted to be a lawyer i never wanted to be a doctor i really cared more about the social sciences Mm -hmm. so you can imagine what my parents face when they asked me what i was majoring in (laughs) and i said sociology (laughs) just I wish podcasts had like like I wish you guys could could uh see like you know see a picture of my parents' face. Wait, they they look like I is what I how are you gonna do with that? Yes. My grandmother was like I think her heart broke the most. She really thought sociology meant I was gonna be a social worker and she just uh, she was so sad. She just said, you know, Rihanna, I'm just so so disappointed. And that was kind of, um, I don't want to say it broke me because my parents taught me to be a strong individual and to really um, believe in my choices. But it was just so hard during college, always trying to hear your parents telling you that you're doing the wrong thing. You're not being you're not being strategic enough. You know, it was all about strategy. You go to this school, you have to try to get as much out of it as possible. And being pre-med and being pre-law was the way to conquer the world. Right. Mm I really feel like a lot of Caribbean um, Caribbean Americans like me, we face this conflict with our parents where they see America as this place to be conquered versus, you know, how we see it as this place to find ourselves. So that's like something that. that I really 
struggled with because you know how it is you don't want to disappoint your parents because mm-hmm. they sacrifice so so much you know all through high school i hear how like my dad would tell me i could have been driving a mercedes but you know i i wanted to send you guys to this good school so when you go to college you're thinking all right you need to make sure you're maximizing your time so when graduation comes around your parents don't think they're wasting money you know mm-hmm. so that was one of the biggest things that i faced I want to say in college is just trying to convince my parents that me, you know, going the artistic route and me, me studying social sciences is going to pay off. Right. Right. And so, all right. So I believe me, that story, I understand it. I understand like the pressure and the, the, the power to want to please them. Um, I remember in high school, I would get, I, I, I went the the law route because I, I, I still have a career in the legal industry and um, I was in like the law academy, you know, I did moot court, mock trial, and every award I won, up to this day, I don't have one, Raina, I promise you. I send them, go back to Jamaica, to this really? grandmother. I said, <laughs> I don't have them because in my head, these awards weren't for me, it was for them. So I don't have any of these awards that I won, whether it was for like making honor roll or this plaque they would give us for my participation in this or I did that. I had none of that. So I completely understand. And grandma, you know, th- th- these are all stories that we all can relate to in varying degrees because their hopes and their dreams are like in us you know it's just mm-hmm. like we we are that manifestation of why them pack up and lift them good good jamaica warm weather and come live in the cold <laughs> yeah so um i i totally i totally hear that story and i i can imagine all the extras you didn't include with both you know what the parents say but yeah my um, parents i think it complicates my story's a little complicated too because my my dad came here and he's an engineer, right? So he sees the route of, you know, this is what you can do in America with an engineering degree and you get paid more. But at the same time, I will say, although my dad's an engineer, my dad always had that dreamer side of him that he would always talk about, you know, when I'm old, I want to go backpack across China. But I think for him, his life was one where he had to choose between being this creative and being the engineer and he chose the engineering route. But deep down, inside I feel like my dad understands a little bit but just for face value he can never admit it you know (laughs) and then there's my mom who she um she was going to nursing school when I was a baby we got into a really bad car accident and so she was like a few months away from nursing school and she was never able to finish she decided to just stay home and become a stay-at-home mom with me and my sister so I think for her it's also like you know I was almost there I don't want you to ever get to a point where you don't go the full you know you don't you don't pursue your dreams a hundred percent but for her the dreams were like no you know maybe you should take the safe route you know Mm -hmm. so i think at the same time my parents may talk all this but i think they kind of understand it but it's it's you know you can't you can't tell your child you you understand them you know (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's 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 part of i guess wanting to protect you and a safety net because yeah definitely about you know how you're going to pay your bills and how you're going to do this so they it's 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 part of that instinct to protect you and make sure that you're okay and mm-hmm. and what they see as okay are the things that you know work you know you're an engineer you know actually somebody sent me a text that caribbean parents acceptable career options <laughs> doctor lawyer engineer and number 4 anything else shame and disgrace <laughs> And it was, we, we laugh at it, but it's like the pressure is real, you know, it's just like, it's it's real to, to be something that they, you know, just live to their expectations. So, all right. So you, you're studying sociology, you graduate and what happened next? Did you figure out that you're going into marketing? How did you get into your current marketing role? So, okay, so senior year was the year, I don't know how it is at other schools, but senior year, like, you know, starting from like the fall time, everyone's trying to apply to jobs. So the Princeton route is a lot of people end up in financing and consulting. So of course, my dad was like, oh, you should apply for those consulting jobs. But that was never what I wanted to do. And I worked in career services. So a lot of my counselors were like, you know, you can try to do something in arts and sciences or whatever. So I was applying to all these like fashion jobs, media jobs, didn't get 
anything. And come April, um, I applied to a fellowship. And uh, all through all through college, I had um I studied or not study. I volunteered at this program called the PD Green Prisoner Assistance Program. So basically, every Friday I was going into prisons and helping young men get their GEDs. Mm-hmm. So I applied to a fellowship that that program had, where you can spend a year at a nonprofit in New York, and I got that. So I ended up just saying, all right, I'm going to take this fellowship in criminal justice for a year. Of course, it wasn't paying a lot. My parents were like, what What are you doing? <laughs> um, I had interned at CBS for all four summers as part of a media program called the Emma Bone Foundation. So they were like, why didn't CBS offer you a job? Why didn't you work harder to get a media job? You're going to go you know, at this nonprofit for a year. So I had to really convinced them that this was an okay route I could still you know network in New York while I was there so I ended up going to uh, the the company was called Vera Institute and working on this program that helped fund college programs for people in prison for a year that was over and I didn't have a job and of course my parents were like maybe you should go back to school (laughs) the answer to all problems yes yes So they were like, you know, maybe you should go back to school. You should get a master's. And every time I would go to family functions, everybody would say, so when are you going to get your master's? And and I was like, do you have master's money? You know, people, I feel like our parents just think all these things are free or we could get a scholarship out of nowhere. right? Right. Right. So I didn't have a job for about a month, but I had. Oh my god, this story is going to be so long, Carrie Ann. I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, let me let me get, get cut the, it short. The Cliff Notes version. Basically, while I was working at the first job in New York, my first job, the the analyst job at the nonprofit, I w- went on a business trip and I met a man on a plane. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the man on the plane ended up connecting me with the CEO of this e-commerce facility company in New Jersey and basically through him I ended up getting the job that I have now which is a marketing working in marketing at this e-commerce fulfillment agency so um I did that I I got that job like out of chance right Mm -hmm. so I've been working there for the last for the last two years and I it was really like you know how in retrospect you think about how you're set up like how things just happen and it's a blessing that things happen Mm -hmm. So I had to explain to my parents again, okay, no, I'm not going to go to business school. I'm not going to go get a master's in some odd thing or whatever. I'm going to go do marketing. And they were like, all right, are you making money? (laughs) I said, yes. They're like, all right, but don't, don't stay there too long. Always look for the next job. You can make more money. I've been here two years. So <laughs> that's how I kind of ended up in marketing. But I had always, I think in college, I was a marketing uh, communications intern with the career services. I, I was always pursuing and learning about marketing and branding on the side. And that's mm-hmm. kind of one of my passions, which is what my one of my blogs, com, is all about marketing tips for creatives. So it didn't really stray from what I always wanted to do. And I, I kind of always wanted to go the marketing route in media. So I think I was on task with my own personal goals for myself. Mm-hmm. But yes, once again, you had to explain to your parents, you know, why are you leaving New York to go work in Edison, New Jersey for some no-name company? So... <laughs> Yeah, that was the next step in the journey. I I love it. I love the honesty of the story, but I love the commonality of the story <laughs> because I I know I know exactly. Where, ooh, where did it come from? Mm. <laughs> All right, you okay? No, but uh, mm-mm. Don't, mm-mm. you know That's the space. Grandma right there. Miss <laughs> sorry, Miss sorry, Miss sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right. So, um, all right, before I get into James and Drive and your marketing consultancy, um, in light of your experience, what would you, what advice would you give to anyone who, you know, have gone the Ivy League way or at the college, they've graduated and they're going through this and they still feel like there's pressure from mom, dad, family, or there's still this feeling like, I don't really want to be doing this. I'm just kind of going through the motions. Like, what advice would you give for someone who, you know, in a sense, kind of living a double life when it comes to, all right, this is what I'm going to school for, but I really don't want to do this. And, you, you know, like the pressure from family to, to kind of go a certain route. Let's take a quick break. 
Want to include your property in Jamaica in your U.S. will? Need to close the bank account you opened back home all those years ago? Skip the guesswork and let the Caribbean Legal Solutions team of experienced professionals take care of your legal needs. With Caribbean Legal Solutions, you get the peace of mind that only vetted and accountable legal experts can offer. Learning that you have a legal issue abroad can be stressful. Finding an attorney to help shouldn't be. Visit CaribbeanLegalSolutions.com or call them today to find the dependable legal support you need. This podcast ad contains general information about Caribbean Legal Solutions and is not intended as legal advice. Always consult with a qualified attorney for legal advice specific to your situation. That's a tough one. I think the thing that helped me is you have to like plan your rebuttals, right? <laughs> I know that may sound crazy, but I think if you know, like it's important when you're trying to convince your family or tell your family they don't need to worry is you have to believe in it yourself. So one of the things that I did was I I really, this is going to sound so crazy saying you have to have like a, a, a strategy with your, with your family. But what no, I found, true. no, man, what, it's true. No, <laughs> what no, I mm-mm. found. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, all right. Cause, cause here's how it work, right? Yeah. <laughs> there are certain things like I'll give you something very simple growing up. Right. Remember you cannot satisfy a Caribbean parent. So come, when my mom, my mom worked in the, the night and she'd come home and the first thing she did, she look if dishes in the sink, right? Oh, Jesus. So if there's no dishes in the sink, cause guess what? We wash the dishes and it's good. It's never enough. Una couldn't unpack the dishes. So it's like, <laughs> this is not in the sink, but now you're going to have to unpack the dishes. So now you have to anticipate where they're going to come with something. So I understand what yes. it means. It's a plan or be strategic because... If it's you have to wash the dishes, unpack the dishes, make sure the garbage empties so they don't find no reason to come back. They'll find something, but if they do, it's like you, you know you, you have to. But that only comes from knowing your parents and trying to be strategic. I know, like you have to come with them. You have to come at them with the facts. Like seriously, I had to be like, you know, mom, fifty percent of college graduates don't find their dream jobs upon you know things like that. Like they. <laughs> You really have to come at them with your research. And I know like with my parents, if you come at them with the research, they'll be like, oh, all right, so she's not just doing this blindly. Okay, okay. <laughs> so you're researching it. All right, all right. But in three months, you're going to have a decision, right? And I'm like, um, <laughs> yes, yes, in three months. So for me, one of the things was like I had to have something to show to them because if I just said, all right, mommy, I'm not going to go to law school, but I had no plan for my life and I had nothing to really give them to uh, to for them to fall back on, although they were so depressed about me not going the route that they think I should be going. So for me, it was really my alternate career. So although I was doing marketing by day, like, as I told you, my parents, I feel like deep down inside, they they are creatives and they are these dreamers themselves. So even when I was little, my parents always knew I liked arts. I love speaking. They call me like the drama queen. So um, I, I use that. I use that to manipulate their belief in me. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I would always go back to, but mommy, remember when I was younger and I used to always love doing this and now I have my own, um, you know, I blog about it. And my mom's like, what's a blog? What is this? Do you make money from it? (laughs) That's always important. Do you make money from it? What's the purpose? Yeah, so I I had to really show them. I had to physically sit them down and say, this is my blog. This is what I do. And look, people are reading it. People comment on it, you know. And so as I started getting um, some freelance clients, I know we wanted to, I know you want to ask me specifically about that. But at some point in time, I was starting to do some kind of, um, I was getting some freelance clients doing some consulting work. And I found that by giving them a role in my destiny was something they enjoyed so i would always make my dad like my business coach i would say like hey daddy what should i do when this person does that right so he felt important and he felt part of the story Mm -hmm. so he couldn't bash me to anybody because he was the one giving me advice right Mm -hmm. so i kind of tried to make them feel more confident about what i was doing by by telling them about it and by explaining it to them and also making them have some kind of role in it although it might not have been where i was actually taking all the advice from my dad but i just know how caribbean parents are they want to feel like you're listening to them Mm -hmm. so i gave them an opportunity to give me some advice in the realm where i needed it 
Oh, that's um, awesome. That's, that's yeah. a good idea. Um, <laughs> but, and granted, mm-hmm. some parents may not want to be involved anyway, you know, but still, I like that strategy. Yeah. And you also just have to like, I feel like at the end of the day, you at, you're, at some point in time, you're just going to have to know that y- your parents live their lives and you're going to have to live your lives too. And that's something that a lot of my Caribbean friends deal with is knowing at what point not that you have to cut your parents off, but you can't let them and their their opinion on what you should be doing with your life stop you from living yours. And that's, I think, that's one of the biggest cultural disconnects mm-hmm. I see with me versus, like, my American friends, where they're just like, why do you care so much about what your mom thinks? I'm like, because it's just not my mom. It's like my whole legacy. I'm, I have to, like, you know, uh, my whole family that is, it's a is, village. is counting on me. Like, they're counting on you to be something, Um and that's just something that I don't think a lot of other, I want to say non-immigrant, but then we're exactly. all, imi- we're all immigrants. Immigrants won't understand it <laughs> because you, you know, the fact that you pick up and you leave the country where you were born to come into an unknown. Definitely. And it's, it, it's like the pressure is like this, the, the level of success or the, the, the need for you to succeed helps to um, justify or let them feel like okay this this trip to come to live here was worth it so That's yeah um, if 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 your friends aren't from an immigrant background they will not get it i think almost every immigrant culture you know whether you're african or you're hispanic uh indian um asian they 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 kind of get that because they're the the odds are really kind of stacked against you especially if there's a language barrier. Mm-hmm. And I think like the biggest thing is I think once you find success within whatever you're doing eventually they'll come around. They'll still ask you so after this you're going to go to law school, right? After this. <laughs> <laughs> but I think once you just focus on defining success in your own terms and you're more confident in just shutting them down like nope this is what I'm doing I like podcasting yes podcasting is a viable career option podcasting can you know you can monetize from it eventually I think over time you'll build confidence but know that they're still gonna ask you (laughs) always ask yes they'll always ask what is and I, I think it's um like you said, they'll warm up, you know, um, but explaining to them what's happening, what you're doing. And I think when when I started the blog and the podcast, I think my mom, she doesn't really ask me why I'm doing it. It's more of explaining it because at this point, she just realized I'm going to do it anyway if I want to mm-hmm. do it. So for her, it's just her sub- trying to support. And so when, you know, um, the other day I'm, I'm in this blogger group on Facebook and I saw, I'm like, what's my mother doing in this group? Like, <laughs> so, um, you know, so I so said, why you going to kick your mother out of the group? It's because she have nothing to say. She's just going to like uh, every picture and it's because that's my baby. <laughs> like, no, take her out of the group. But um, yeah, I, I do, I do agree with, you know, having them involved helps them too to feel like, you know, we, they, their, their opinions, which, which, which they are, but, you know, they want to feel like they're still helping to drive or they have that much influence when it comes to our career and decision making. Mm-hmm. And watch, you know, the, I think the worst thing is if you have the one friend that is the doctor or lawyer, they always try to be like, so you see, you see how this person is doing this? So why, you know, how is she doing? Oh, you see, she don't have to worry about, you know, Rena, you should just reconsider. It's never too late. Just reconsider. And I, I, the, the funniest thing, though, is I, I want to tell you this story because I think it's hilarious. So my grandma, she is, I want to say she's like 84 or something anyway. So I was visiting her a few weeks ago and she sits me down. She's like, Raina, I have to talk to you. I said, OK. And she's just like, I'm so disappointed. I just really thought that you and your sister would be better off in life. Right. So I, I was a little hurt because I'm like, what do you mean? Like better off in life. But for her, I realized that she's older. So number one, I, I gave her a pass on that one. Mm-hmm. And she was just talking about, you know, um, I told her that I have a podcast and I want to be, you know, have my own media company one day. And she said to me, she was like, do you think you have the tools to do that? <laughs> <laughs> And it was just so 
funny because she was so honest, right? She was being so genuine. And I realized that there's just this, there's also this huge cultural, not even cultural, educational gap with the old timers versus now, even though they're in America, I feel like they still have this mentality of there isn't other, there aren't other options Mm -hmm. for us. And I think it's it's a little sad because I even think about my grandma when she came to America. She she laments about it all the time is how she wished that she would have known that she could have done something else. Like she came here and she worked at the airport for like 30, 40 years. And that was it mm-hmm. because she came here for my mother. So I think if you go back two generations, there, that's also something to think about is they're influencing our parents, right? Yeah. And then that's why it comes, then it comes to us. So I always wonder when I have kids, oh my God, how am I going to be towards them? Because <laughs> you don't think about that stuff, but it is important. It it It, it is. It's, um, it's, and, and it, it varies whether, you know, so, so for instance, my mom and my brothers and I, we all came up on that same American Airlines flight. So, <laughs> you know, I'm more dictating or influencing my children um, on our immigrant experience. But the difference is, like you said, you know, I'm in New York. New- if you live in Brooklyn and you live anywhere in New York, it's almost like you're still in the Caribbean in some way because you're mm-hmm. still connected. And um, But the challenges are a little different. And because I went through the process, it would be a little different for, um, you know, like my mom who, you know, she didn't know that wait we have to go through all of this for you get into one high school and <laughs> like you know not understanding or you know the whole i went to college and mommy i don't have enough to pay for school you have to take out a loan you know like because you know we, yeah. they just she just you know we were like two years into the country so everything is about like you know how they're able it, it comes down to them worrying about whether we're able to survive. They don't want us to struggle the way they had to struggle. And so they want, they, in their minds, if we do it this way, the way that they've seen other people do it, then we won't struggle. Mm-hmm. Not understanding that, you know, there are different ways that we could still get things done or have success that may not have to do with that traditional way. So it's going to take time for that. All right. So tell me, well, not me, but tell the audience about <laughs> Dreams and Drive, Raina Campbell, and um, marketing in general. All right. So Dreams and Drive is my baby. <laughs> uh, so I want to, the story is, so last year I decided I was, I was blogging at RainaCampbell.com for a while. I freelanced for different sites like Madame Noir, Huffington Post, all these sites. And I was doing interviews with people and then transcribing them and writing them up. And I thought to myself, like, I've always loved the act of talking to people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I could, I could do this where people are actually listening to the interview because there's so much that you get out of listening to the person actually respond to the questions. Mm -hmm. So I had this idea that I wanted to do a podcast and I was actually interviewing someone last year and he was like, so what's stopping you? Like, why don't you start it right now? Mm -hmm. And I came up with all these excuses about why I couldn't start it, right? I didn't have the equipment. I didn't know how to podcast. I didn't know all this stuff. And he said, all right, well, get on the internet and figure it out. And that was the catalyst to me really getting really serious about launching a podcast. So I put a date on the calendar. I said, January 1st, 2016, I will come out with my first episode. And I worked really hard to get that first episode out. And I knew that I knew that like this is the part of the story where I think it's important for us all to really be true with ourselves about what really is our passion. And I knew that my passion was talking to people about how they made it and why they're doing what they're doing. So that's why I named it Dreams and Drive. I originally was going to name it No Parking, mm-hmm. but it actually it was actually called No Parking Podcast for like the first few months. And then I but the, the hashtag was Dreams and Drive. So then I switched it and made it, you know, Dreams and Drive No Parking. Yeah, it works. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, 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 I was so happy that I took that leap of faith because so much has come from it, like being able to interview people and being able to build a community and realize that there's so many other people out there who want to hear these stories, who need to be inspired and know that they can, they don't have to put their dreams on pause. They can put them on play. And that's just been something that has really been driving me over the past nine months is just trying to connect with more and more people. So that, yeah, so that was the podcast. I've been doing it for 
well, 10 months now. And I also have my blog because, as you know, how we creative sometimes are is like you have so many different things that you want to do, but you can't yes. decide just to do only one. So I also loved uh, marketing and branding, and I wanted to actually have a physical website. So LorenaCampbell.com was where I would do all my branding tips. And then I also liked style and stuff, so I tried to fuse that into there, too. So those were really the I think the, these side projects are really the foundation by which I one day want to have my own media company mm-hmm. because I interview entrepreneurs. And so it's like, all right, Raina, so what's going to be your thing? What's going to be your your uh, claim to fame? Yep. Uh, <laughs> so that's where I, I started doing the freelancing consulting. So it actually started when I graduated from college. I want to I want to tell this story because I think it's another one of those how you meet people and they can you meet someone and you think it's it's a chance encounter but it ends up being the best thing that ever happened to you yep so i was part of the new york black public relations society coming out of college and i went to this event i was volunteering at an event and i met this woman who was a publicist for hair companies and she asked me if i write and do I uh, do freelance writing and at that point i didn't right mm-hmm. but i said yes yes i do i do <laughs> So she told me that she has some clients and she needs to do some advertorials. So advertorials are basically where you create like branded content that's put in a magazine. So you might see an you might see like an article in a magazine and you think that it's um just an article but it's really written by the brand. Right. Right. So I was writing these like hair hair advertorials and they were going up in like Hype Hair magazine and Today's Black Woman. And I realized that, whoa, like this, I could make money from this. Mm-hmm. I could write blogs for people or write copy and people would pay me for it. So literally me faking my way into it in the beginning helped me see that, whoa, there are people out there that need, that don't know how to write and that this comes so easy to them. Like she was, my, my client used to be so impressed by how much I could write in, in like, let's say a two, two day turnaround time. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, what, how, (laughs) this is not normal. (laughs) So it's like thinking about like, what are the things that you are talented at? that come easy to you but may not be easy to other people that can definitely be something that you can monetize from so I took that and I put my had a little services section on my website and I and I put it out there this is what I do and I started getting more clients and then I started doing some strategy work but I think for me I had to figure out like what part of it was the part that I actually liked Mm-hmm. Did I like doing the copy? Did I like actually doing the strategy? And I think for me, the part that I liked the most was talking to people, people. about how they could really build their businesses and walking through and auditing it. So I think out of all my services, I realized my consultations mm-hmm. were the things that I could uh, monetize from and actually I actually wanted to build a business from because I really didn't like copywriting that much. No. <laughs> Yeah, you sound a lot like me because it's the same thing. Like I could do the writing, but I do enjoy talking to people and, you know, big the the big picture and seeing, okay, this is how you have to map it out. And this is how you go about it. So I, I get that. So in terms of marketing and branding, um, and we're coming up on a time a little bit, but Mm -hmm. what is the one thing? Thing that you see entrepreneurs, up and coming entrepreneurs uh, are doing or what's one mistake you, you see entrepreneurs or bloggers or even people in their career because a brand doesn't only mean you have a business, your brand is you, right? Mm-hmm. So what's one mistake do you find brands, entrepreneurs make when it ter- comes to marketing and branding? I think trying to be Um, I think the one mistake that I think a lot of people are making is not being focused enough on who their target audience is. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, let's say you're a style blogger. When I talk to people, I'll say, all right, so what kind of style blogger are you and who's your target audience? And they'll Mm -hmm. tell me uh, 20-something-year-old females. (laughs) And (laughs) I won't laugh because I'm talking to them, right? And I have to be professional, but I'll show them that, okay, but do you know there are 
thousands of different types of 20 something year old females and if you really want to be specific you have to really target in on like what type you know what what is her ethnicity what are her interests what does she like to do really get specific and get focused because that's how you're going to start building a community and a lot of people i think are scared to get really niche because they think that means that nobody will find them yeah and it's the exact opposite no Mm -hmm. when you go niche you'll have people who are trying to find you right Right. because they'll that's what they're going to be searching you know style for new york city brooklynites right whatever uh, black females who live in brooklyn or whatever that is like Mm -hmm. that's that's the biggest thing a lot of people aren't really getting focused on who they're speaking to and what their actual mission is and I've, I've even, uh, I've faced that thing too, because when I first started RainaCampbell.com, I was just trying to talk to everybody. But over time, I realized the more niche I got, the more successful my blog got. And even with, with uh, Dreams and Drive, I had mm-hmm. to get really, really specific on who I wanted to talk to because, or who I wanted to have on my, on my show, because that the people that were listening were listening for a specific reason. Right. And I couldn't just say, okay, one day I'm going to talk to an engineer about mm-hmm. how he uh, built this uh, whatever. But they weren't interested in that. They wanted to hear from creatives. They wanted to hear from people in fashion and lifestyle and that that genre. So I had to really, really be specific on who I wanted to talk to if I wanted my brand to grow. Right, right. I, I get that um, because when I first started Carry On Friends, I knew that I wanted it to focus on Caribbean, right? Caribbean mm-hmm. Americans. And I remember I spoke to someone and they were like, oh, you know, your topic isn't really specific to the Caribbean or a Caribbean person. So just take off the Caribbean American off the byline of the website. And I was like, okay, they're successful. So I took their advice, but I kept feeling like, but I don't, it just felt weird. I felt like I lost my identity. Mm -hmm. And I remember last year I was speaking to Jewel um, Figurius and she was like, put it back on. That's who you are. You still do it anyway. And so the moment I was just like, you know what? My name is Carrie Ann. I, this podcast, this blog, if you are a Caribbean or Caribbean, you know, this is for you. And if, no one likes it. Well, you know, that it is, it is what it is. And so I may not be getting the massive downloads that people expect, but my audience appreciates the content because they know at any given time, I'm going to switch between the accents yep. <laughs> and whoever's on the show can identify because they're either from the Caribbean, they have Caribbean parents. And so they already know what, you know, that, it, that, that already gives them, you know, some kind of in like, okay, I could listen to you. Cause you kind of have an idea of what I'm dealing with in mm-hmm. some way, shape or form. So being very niche and even when like I do services, you know, other people are like, you sure you, you don't have to put Caribbean American in there. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's going in there. Like, you know, because they're like, you should appeal to a wider audience. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. This is what I focus on. So you are absolutely right. So, all right. Another question. So how often should an entrepreneur or a blogger do brand audits? Hmm. That is a good question. Um, I think it's good to do them quarterly. So mm-hmm. when you say brand audits, you can you can think about just like your overall brand, your overall marketing strategy. Then you can actually go into your channel audits. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do excuse me, what I like to do a lot of times is like take my website, right? And I'll say, all right, is this on focus with what my my larger brand mission is? And I'll go to my different social media channels and I go, then I'll go to like my different like uh, templates and my different, um, my different worksheets that I do with clients and I'll just make sure that everything is in line with my mission. And I think it's also good to do a reevaluation of what your mission is mm-hmm. and to say, all right, what have I done over the past quarter? And is that in line with what my goal was? Because I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, especially if you're a creative entrepreneur, ideas are always coming in. And sometimes we have a hard time of not letting new ideas affect our main mission. I, I am a victim of that. Like you could tell me today, let's start a t-shirt company and I'll say, all right, let's start yes. a t-shirt company. Yes. And then I'll go into this whole uh, digression of trying to do all this stuff and forget that. No, I'm a podcast, not a t-shirt company right now. So that is crucial. I say quarterly just because it's not, it's, you can schedule it when the seasons change. Like right now it's fall. 
make maybe you should as an entrepreneur go across your different channels and make sure that everything's in line make sure that all your like contacts and links are updated like even you helped me realize i had a broken link or my or my um about page which was good because i wouldn't have recognized that right so that's even telling me all right Raina, it's time to schedule that audit and go through everything and make sure you you're just in line on all fronts all right. Quarterly brand audits. Awesome. All right. So Raina, any other tips that you have for entrepreneurs, bloggers, or anyone in terms of marketing and branding? I think having a goal and a, a specific strategic goal is something that can help people. One of the things that I've learned from the guests on my show, Dreams and Drive, is having something to work towards is is so important and sometimes you know how i think there's that oprah quote or somebody said this if your if your dream if your goal isn't big enough then you know you should rethink it mm -hmm. so i think for for any entrepreneur you definitely don't just want to head into this journey with no sense of where you want to go so get very specific about the results that you want for yourself even if it's something that you don't attain right away at least you're having something to work towards and you're having something to come back and audit against, right? So as we said, do those quarterly brand audits, but at the same time, you should be having goals for that. So maybe it's all right. Quarter one, I want to have 250 subscribers, right? Mm -hmm. Once you do that audit, you can say, all right, what did I do this month that affected the goal? Or what did I do this month that helped get towards that goal what worked what didn't work but if you had nothing to measure it against then it'd be really hard to even know how you're progressing and that's one of the biggest things i would say is people have to have goals and at the same time i want to say and this is going to be weird because you're thinking about marketing and why is this important i think self-awareness mm -hmm. is something that a lot of entrepreneurs may not want to practice mm -hmm. and i say practice because this journey is so hard and you have to know how to be true with yourself about what your motivations are and what's pushing you forward. And without that self-awareness, without that time to really discover who you are, right. this journey is just going to be so much harder. So there's all the books when it comes to marketing about tactics and strategies. I don't want to really go too hard on that but I want to say you really have to know yourself in this journey and you have to know why you're doing it because if you don't know why you're doing it all those strategies and stuff won't work, won't work. you'll get disappointed you'll fail you'll stop not fail you'll, you'll stop wanting to move forward right mm -hmm. so that key thing I think that has helped me throughout everything you know helped me navigate crazy Jamaican parents <laughs> crazy <laughs> Jamaican families is having that internal why and that yes. internal mission and really believing in myself and knowing that this is something I've loved to do since I was younger and so I can't give up on myself now. And that, I want to say, is probably the biggest thing I've learned through everything is you have to have that internal why that's mm -hmm. pushing you. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I just like the statement where you say, you know, follow your passion and you never work a day in your life. You're going to be working all mm -hmm. day following <laughs> that darn passion. You know, it's the passion that's making you work, really. Yeah. But I, I, I took a different spin on it because I've just been so tired for everyone saying, follow your passion, follow your passion. And instead, it is understand that whatever you do, you have to be passionate about it and you have to love it. It doesn't mean you should follow it as a business, but if you decide to do it, you have to love it because there are days when it's going to be so hard. There are days you don't want to do it. There are days you're, you're like, you want to do Kevin Hart. No, I'm not ready. <laughs> you know, there's, there's days that you are just going to be like, I'm done. I want to just lock shop and go sleep for like two weeks and no one bothers me, but you don't do that. Why? Because you love it. You and you you have some kind of drive and passion about it. And that's what keeps you going. And I had to take that spin because in in these one liners and these quotes, it, it gets lost in translation what really those quotes mean. And it's mm -hmm. really like you have to love it. Cause if you if you are only going into this for money, 
you know, the money's going to take much longer to come. You got to put a lot of work in before the money comes. Um, And that's what that's what I feel gets lost in this whole entrepreneurial gold rush, you know, that we are all like in and experiencing. So um, I do appreciate that, um, you know, the self-awareness, the reflection and the goals are key. It's it's it seems like it's a broken record, but it's really, really the key to to endurance, right? It's endurance for real, not a sprint, some endurance. And you have to love, you have to love learning because I think if you, if you are really committed to finding the best way to do something, you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I've, I've had entrepreneurs as clients. I don't want to say that this is, that they aren't going to be successful, but a lot of them don't realize the amount of work that is involved in making this dream a a, a reality for them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people want everything the easy way. And a lot of times as creative entrepreneurs, that's who I work with a lot, they get focused on the pretty part of things. And they don't actually want to invest in learning the technical part of things. And that's where I think being self-aware is you have to realize what your strengths and your weaknesses are. And for me, my weaknesses have always been like the math and the analytical part of things. But I've had to then consciously work harder in those areas mm-hmm. so that I can see success in, in, in the larger vision I have for myself. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be a process and you have to love learning. And I love learning, which is something I will credit to my parents yes. because every time I would ask them a question, so they would tell me to go look it up. <laughs> go take your book. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, Jesus. Yes, that's how they would. They would. Everything was like, oh, you have an internet. Go look it up. And I'm just like, oh, please, mommy, just tell me. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my God. And on that note, everyone, we want to thank Raina for being on the show, sharing her Caribbean parent story, but also understanding that story is a driver to success. Um, whichever path that leads us. And um, we also want to to thank her for her tips on marketing, branding, because branding is essential in this internet age. Branding is key. And so you could find Raina at RainaCampbell.com. Check out her website if you're Caribbean creative and you feel like you need a brand audit or you need something sought out in your internet life, you probably should reach out to her. And her podcast is also Dreams in Drive. So Raina, we want to thank you again for being on the show. I want to hear more stories from mom, about mommy and daddy off the air. <laughs> but folks, until next time, walk good. Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. For a recap of this episode and other great articles, please visit the blog at www.carryonfriends.com. That's C-A-R-R-Y-O-N-F-R-I-E-N-D-S.com. Thank you for tuning in to Carry On Friends. Before I go, remember, Caribbean Legal Solutions connects you with experienced and vetted attorneys across the Caribbean, ensuring that you or your family or friend find reliable help back home to deal with land issues, wills, and probate matters. Their network spans Jamaica, Trinidad, Guyana, Grenada, Dominica, Barbados, St. Vincent, and more. Visit CaribbeanLegalSolutions.com and give them a call today. This ad contains general information about Caribbean Legal Solutions and is not intended to be legal advice. As always, consult with a qualified attorney for legal advice specific to your situation.